Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host Tom. I'm here with Sam as usual. And Sam, we've we've totally wrapped up all of Tally's backstory stuff, right? Like that was a great episode last week. We had some really good uh, reactions to it. People seem to really love Tally. Surprise! Uh, but that's it, right? That's we're ready to just like dive into other stuff, right? Yeah, I've heard I've heard she's the best girl. In fact, uh, not just uh, you know a good squad mate, but you know if you were listening to the intro today and you heard a little bit something different, that's because I was clearing my throat and I forgot to mute. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just adding to the instrumentation that was happening on there. Um, Actually, also- it was the it was the vocal modulator with the emergency induction port. I was wearing a mask like Tally's. Uh, so. I see. I see. You're trying out. You're trying out the uh, actual being like Tally experience. It's method acting, yeah. but for podcasting. That's it. That's it. Also, some people have complained about the the balance of the audio on that intro. I rebalanced it a little bit, so the music is a little quieter when the talking happens. So maybe that'll help people out. I know there's a lot of distortion. It's kind of a very fuzzy sounding intro with all the heavy guitars and stuff. So maybe that'll help balance it out for people. Um, but anyway, we're back. To, we're back to talking about more tally. Where do we go from here? We were talking about like the comics last time and some of the pre-story stuff. Yes. So we were talking about Mass Effect Homeworld. And so she's running from Saren. You know, she has this evidence that Saren is this totally evil specter who's hell bent on using the Geth uh, to try and bring back the Reapers. Uh, And so she runs into Dr. Michelle and Barlavan is there, the, the Volus, who is a kind of intermediary for the Shadow Broker. She, or I'm sorry, Barlavon offers Tally protection uh, through the Shadow Broker, but all she has to go uh, do is go down there to Kor's Den and talk to Fist. Well, that's not really a great choice. Uh, and I, I was going to say it's not a great choice, but it's hardly a choice to begin with. I mean, never trust a person named Fist. That's my advice. Yeah. Oh, you say your name's Fist. Oh, who do you work for? Oh, you work for the Shadow Broker. Oh, surprise. You're a shady fellow with a name like Fist. Huh. Um, Okay, so this is where we find her at the beginning of Mass Effect 1, right? This kind of connects through? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, the reason why I said that it's hardly a choice to begin with is because Tally is really between a rock and a hard place with no allies and no help and no support connections on the uh, Citadel. So she was supposed to meet an agent of the Shadow Broker to trade the evidence against Saren. But Fist betrays her and the Shadow Broker. He double crosses everyone in favor of Saren. Uh, So he's sending assassins to meet Tally instead. And somehow 
Tally just knows that something's not right. Something's not uh, jiving with her because by the time that we get her, uh, we, we, we like get to like save her in the alleyway, the door slams open, right? And then Tally looks and in the same breath, kind of like throws an explosive at the agent. Yeah. Who is actually yeah. an assassin, but she just kind of knows and then she leaps away. So that instinct is probably one of her best and most underrated elements. And I think we should we should probably talk about that a little bit. Her mind being able to have this sixth sense for danger, keeping her alive throughout the series. Yeah. And <clears throat> we're going to discuss this a little bit more as we get into this episode. But this idea that she uh, and this comes up later, the, she's innocent, right? This innocence of her and and the way the fan base perceives her. And yet in situations like this, she's just like, tossing grenades <laughs> right. at potential assassins right like yeah that, i mean that shows a certain uh weariness about the world and awareness and it's kind of the opposite of innocence in a way now nah, she knows what's up um so <laughs> yeah. she she uh she has this sixth sense for danger like i said and it starts in mass effect homeworld right because she's being chased by commander yakko uh and if you don't get that joke then you're gonna have to go back and listen to that episode um but it, she's being chased by commander yakko and then doesn't hesitate to burn him alive after saying goodbye to her like crewmate so <laughs> totally innocent totally totally innocent <laughs> right and and this and like survival instinct you know what i mean when you just know that something's up like she's she keeps trying to press through the citadel and like is going through this incinerator she just knows to climb into the spot where she does of course if you're breaking the fourth wall this is like you know plot armor but shut up <laughs> right right have you have you uh seen a story before <laughs> like that's just how it right. works right so and then then with this uh sarin agent and then the shadow broker right this whole ordeal in the alleyway she just knows something's up and throws the explosive and i will put a little asterisk in here and say that this is indicative of tally's character because she didn't need to do that to survive that encounter if the writers wanted her to so it's not just about plot armor in like situations like that. Like she didn't need to throw that explosive and leap away like that. Right. Right. But but yeah. that's a choice that the writers made. Yeah. So it's more aggressive than she had to have been necessarily. Right. You know, yeah. Shepard could have swung open the door and then like sniped or Garrus sniped whoever was threatening her right at the last second. Right. That's sure. what happens with Dr. Michelle. When we meet her, Garrus takes the shot and then he's like, thanks for opening up that shot, Shepard. And Shepard's like, that was totally reckless. Nice job, asshole. Yeah. But um, do you think <laughs> that this is in order for us as the players or the viewers of the situation to perceive her as being more capable than just running away? Like she also yes. faces the danger she's not helpless right like she's not she's on the yeah. run but she's not helpless she doesn't have um, to be saved by somebody showing up like she's some a princess in dis distress or something right she's she's capable yes. of her own survival we see it again later i mean primarily in this episode we're going to talk about mass effect one but we see it again later in Ma on uh, freedom's progress mass effect two she's one of the few Koreans who doesn't find herself just running in front of a mech's machine gun because she has that situational awareness. She has the survival instinct. And again, in Mass Effect 2, she somehow knows how to survive on Haystrom, although that is the byproduct of her squad being incredibly loyal and going against her orders uh, to die for her. So I, I guess this just means that she's extremely sharp and she has this great situational awareness, which is interesting because as she tells us, she was never really sent to basic combat training to be a soldier. She's not a soldier. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this gets, uh, I don't know, brought up a few times as you play through the game. Right. And there are Korean soldiers like Cal Rieger. He's a Korean soldier. It's just that that's not who Tally is. And in fact, you know, let's remember throughout this episode when we're talking about this, that Tally is basically a teenager on her pilgrimage. Right. She's a little more than a child. Right. So it's 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 remarkable in that sense. You know, it wouldn't be remarkable for Shepard to do these things because Shepard is a special operative. Um, yeah, so. he's a freaking specter. You expect specters to do <laughs> badass stuff. Right. But like a teenage survivor of a situation who isn't even trained at this. Absolutely not. Like that's way less expected. Exactly. So. 
um, there's a, some dialogue in the elevator in Mass Effect 1 where Liara, I believe Liara is talking. No, it's Ashley who's talking to Tally. And Ashley is, of course, a soldier. So I figured this is pretty relevant. And it's probably a little bit of conversation that not everyone hears or remembers hearing. My people are wanderers, not military leaders. All this fighting seems strange. It must be more familiar for you, Chief Williams. Uh, trying to take down a rogue specter and his army of synthetics? No, they didn't cover this in basic. <laughs> no, they didn't cover this in basic. Also, I left Tally's voice, her accent. Yeah, the accent. Okay, so we're going to get into the accent a little bit later, but, but that is really interesting for you to bring up because, uh, it, it is, I'm going to talk about it in terms of all of the elements that make her character and how they are prescribed onto the larger Korean race as a whole. But for Tally, she's more savvy than people give her credit for. And in more ways than one. So we talked about the combat and the survival instinct like that. But politically, she has a survival instinct. She knows exactly what's really going on during the trial over her father's actions in her loyalty mission. Now, I, now I said that this episode was going to be about Mass Effect 1. And it is. And so I want our listeners to remember that she knows what's going on with the internal politics around her father as an admiral because we have a soundbite that we'll talk about later but she but suffice it to say for now she knows it's really about the coming war all of these things with her father and her being used as a pawn and my question is how because she's never served in a political role before again she's a teenager basically yeah yeah so she's she's like wise beyond her years in some respect yeah. And yet people talk about her with this sense of like purity culture. You know what I mean? Like like innocence. Right. Right. I wonder if the visuals have something to do with that, too. The idea of being in a suit and being separated physically from the world around you. It makes it makes her feel more fragile than she is. Mm. And right from the get go, I mean, Shepard is like on a mission to save Tally against time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. save her from the evil club uh, promoter who <laughs> who like who who sides with the shadow broker. Uh, so there is that tone from the very beginning. But and when I say people, I mean people in universe sometimes, but moreover the fan base, because she's not as innocent as the fan base treats her they treat her like she is a child sometimes but she didn't have this problem disabling a geth on a foreign planet in in mass effect homeworld where she'd never been before by the way yeah never been yeah. outside the fleet yeah also she, uh side note you just summoned like three or four people to just comment on this video <laughs> well actually i've never thought her as being innocent like we're gonna get those that's gonna happen oh we're gonna get the actuallys but yeah we're gonna get the actuallys you know, yeah. If you're going to be an actually person, I better never see a comment in your comment <laughs> history that ever referred to her as Tally Best Girl. I swear to God. <laughs> and I am petty enough to go through those. Um, so, but, you know, she 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 disables this Geth on a foreign planet where she's never been because she's never been outside the fleet. And then she says goodbye to a crewmate and then kills her pursuer by burning him alive in an incinerator and then cursing him to his face to boot. Mm hmm. <laughs> and that's all on her very first trip away from home before Mass Effect 1 even takes place. So I, I don't know how innocent Tally really is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. Yes, well said. Right. You know, like when Mass Effect 1 starts, she also insists on joining Shepard, even though she really basically has everything like bare minimum that she would need to finish her pilgrimage. Like she can go back to the fleet with this information that she's gotten mm -hmm. and this experience. And I think that they're going to find her like fine for doing that. And what's interesting when we're talking about innocence is compare this to Liara, who I think is actually more innocent than people treat her. Like she's the kind of person to be lost when someone makes a sexual innuendo. Right. Like, you know, right. right she's yeah. the person in the group where everyone's laughing and she's like, I don't get it. What's so funny? What's what's so funny, everybody? Yeah. 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 And yet is extremely capable in her own ways. But yet, you know, it, this is one of those like word things like you could say innocent, but everybody hears that and processes it processes it in a different way. Right. Like, yeah, like it does it mean ignorant. Does it mean uh 
scared and unwilling to act in danger. Like there, there's a few different ways to process that. Right. And I think for each of them, it kind of means different things, or at least people seem to use it in different ways, maybe. Yeah, I, I think in this degree, I'm using it in terms of like, has not been made bitter by the terrible ways of the world yet. Right. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right, right. Like, yes. Like yeah. un- uncorrupted, I guess. Uh, but I wouldn't say that Tally is like this, you know, corrupt figure. It's just that she's learned how to navigate a corrupt world. Right, right. She's more, she has more wits for navigating corruption and uh, managing her power, if that makes sense. Uh, whereas mm. Tally doesn't really do that. She, she, but she, she uh, has more of a self-survival awareness kind of thing. And they're both different ways of not being damsels in distress, right? Of, of taking control right. of your situation. And by Mass Effect 1, they're both basically teenagers, despite Liara's being more than 100 years old because of, sorry, lifespans and whatnot. But we know that Corians have similar lifespans to humans. So whenever you hear me say that Tally is basically a teenager or she's a teenager, just keep in mind that I'm speaking relatively. She's relatively a teenager because at this point in her life with her taking the pilgrimage, this is a rite of passage. So... We can refer to this as Tally's Bildungsroman, and uh, five points for all of our listeners who know that word. <laughs> I wish I didn't. Thank you, Miss Phillips, 11th grade <laughs> English. <laughs> um, so she, the best way I can put this, because we're talking about innocence, is Liara is the sheltered, studious, rich girl who... Uh, you know, has had her nose in books for a long time. But Tally is the scene girl who grew up on the road in her family's trailer. <laughs> okay. You know? All right. And so so Tally has more street smarts, like we talked about, a better survival instinct. She's got that dog in her, as the kids <laughs> that say. Dog nowadays. in her. Oh God, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's oh, no. what the kids say nowadays. I don't know. I don't have kids. Um But you know what? I want to talk about like these two different character models, like in terms of archetypes, rather Liara and Tally in Mass Effect one, because they both develop and they both grow. But, you know, like in Mass Effect one, they start in this similar kind of situation where they're both young and exploring the world and and discovering it much like most of Mass Effect's players were at that point. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a very normal literary thing. Yeah. But they come from extremely different backgrounds and it colors the way that they perceive the world. So so do you think like struggling and scarcity like the environment Tally was raised in with the migrant fleet having, you know, no resources at all and constantly trying to battle failing ships that are super old? Do you think that that builds character? Well, it definitely builds experience and it usually builds character. Uh, this is almost the difference like in cyberpunk between like street kid and corpo. (laughs) But it's like, it's like if corpo shed their corporate privilege to go explore uh, and study. Like you were, you were a corpo kid, like your parents worked for the corporations and were pretty well to do. And then you decide, nah, I'm not going to live that life the way my parents did. And so you go off and do your own thing. It's the same way. The same way Tally had the privilege to do that. Right. Exactly. Right. The same way Tally had like could have stuck with the like the street kid thing, like traveling with her people. But she decides to leave that as well. Um, So they both come from that origin and then kind of move in a different direction and find their own way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you think that like. And this is something that I've thought about because when I was growing up, my family didn't have a lot of money. And I, I think that for some people growing up without a lot of money and knowing and being acutely aware that your resources are very limited, it makes you more strategic in how you spend those resources. Right. Or it makes you more frivolous because you're only investing in the now because you don't believe that there's a future ahead of you. It can do exactly. both. It can do both. Exactly. Um, and I was going to bring that up because some people yeah. call that poverty mindset. Right. 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 Both Where, of those things can happen. I think it depends on the individual and it depends on the way your parents taught you and your own life experiences. If your life experiences confirm that the future is uncertain, so you better live it now, then you have a tendency to spend everything that you get when you get it. Um, but if your if your mindset is the opposite of that and you realize that saving and, and investing in the future actually incrementally increases your 
your standing in the world, your comfort and, and the things that you actually want to achieve, then you tend to go towards that. Or you see examples of other people doing those things. There's we could talk about this for a little while, but I think I think you're right to say that like that does have an effect for sure. Yes. And I think it does with Tally. I, I think that Tally becomes more strategic and more resourceful. She becomes very calculating with how she does things and and how she chooses to do these things. Um, because she realizes that one mistake could cost not just her, but everyone around her. And that right. seems to matter more for her than caring about herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she comes which from a is place probably where like that could affect all of her people or the safety of her ship or like there's a lot more at stake there for her. Exactly. So and that was why I was going to say that between those two mindsets of like frivolous spending and being very strategic, I think because Tally cares more about other people, she chooses the latter. She chooses to be strategic. So that kind of motivates her to be like, hey, it's not just about me. You know what I mean? This is yeah. about everyone else. And I have to be very situationally aware because I have a huge responsibility here. Right. And so right. we actually can kind of hear Liara and Tally talk during Mass Effect 1 during non-scripted, or they are scripted, but non-cutscene areas where they're elevator conversations. And we can hear the difference in how they were raised in what they're saying. So here, here we have a little bite from that. You must welcome civilization after so long a time in the Prothean ruins. No, cities and stations were always my mother's area of comfort. I actually enjoy the solitude of dig sites. The ship I grew up on was always full of noise and people. The solitude of a dig site would drive me crazy. I could not help but notice that you are attracting some unfriendly stairs, Tally. Many think less of Quarians for traveling in the flotilla and for creating the Geth. They see us as scavengers, little better than thieves. That is an ignorant opinion. Quarian explorers have uncovered more mass relays than any other race. I am glad that some still remember the contributions my people have made. I like that little nugget there about the Quarians have discovered more mass relays than anybody else. Isn't that cool? That is cool. I, I, yeah, cool. I really love that part, too, it, because I remember when I was putting these notes together, I heard that and I went, huh, I actually don't remember that, but it's canon. So, yeah, I mean, how I many mean? of those little bits of like little pieces of lore just kind of like float by in the midst of a playthrough and you didn't necessarily really focus on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I I want to call our attention to something there at the end when asked why Tally may be getting judged. She responds with a pretty grounded answer that recaps people's sentiments and why they feel that way, or maybe why they feel that way. Liara wonders why they feel that way, and then recites a fact that she probably read from like a history book. Right, yeah, it feels like a narrative of like, you know, like, according to this, the Koreans, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense. That doesn't compute. Why would people feel like this when Koreans are the, you know, the best known explorers because of X, Y, Z fact, because that's just not the way the world works, Liara. Right. Yeah. It's, it's about feelings, not about facts. Yeah. Welcome to the so. Internet. It's about feelings, <laughs> not about facts. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have before the mid-break. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's go thank our patrons, and we will be back with more stuff about Tally, so don't go anywhere. All right. So everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. 
So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash masseffect, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash masseffect, expressvpn.com slash masseffect to learn more. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this lorecast is mine. I like the sound of that. That always cracks me up. Well, welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons, and we don't have any new patrons this week. Otherwise, we would be shouting them out. But we do have our shepherd tier patrons to shout out: Kokashins, Edboy, Kira C, Lieutenant Tosino, That Spectre J, William. Thank you so much for helping to support the show and all the rest of our currently 63 different patrons. Thank you for your support as well. For everybody who's taken time to share this show with your friends or your family or anybody else or leave a review. Also, thank you for you helping us out as well. If you are interested in joining us on the Patreon, then go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast and check out all the different things you can get. Ad free episodes t-shirts and stickers and all sorts of things so go check that out also if you'd like to help us out with a review five star reviews will get read out in the future we don't have any new ones this week but we would love to read your words on the show so please go ahead and do that if you'd like and you can even rate the show on spotify or whatever platform you're listening to this on so thanks again for all the help we couldn't do this without you so thanks so much all right let's move on with the rest of the show spit it out or are you trying to build suspense you're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. So back to Tally, we've been discussing kind of the whole pre-game stuff still. A little bit of her background and, and where she is right at the beginning of Mass Effect 1. Uh, when it comes to Mass Effect 1, how do we see her character develop? So there's a reason why we're spending so much time on the very beginning of Mass Effect 1, how we meet Tally, because that is a lot of her character development. She does join the Normandy, and even though her pilgrimage could technically be over at that point, uh, she joins because, in her words, it proves we are willing to give of ourselves for the greater good The pilgrimage does. What does it say about me if I turn my back on this mission? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so, mean, she, it, she seems very ideologically driven. Which is interesting because we just, you know, talked in the before the midbreak about how uh, pragmatic she is and how situationally aware she is. But yet she's still very idealistic. So there's a sense of personal responsibility and honor along with collective mindset. Right. Which makes her a very, very considerate, thoughtful person. Uh, and most of her later development in Mass Effect 1 comes through the direct dialogue that Shepard has with her on the ship. In fact, all of her scenes in Mass Effect 1 and containing her dialogue, all of them with like uh, taking aside the little uh, singular lines that she says in combat and in, in the elevator and things, all of her scenes, if I remember right, they total less than half an hour for yeah. just the first game. Yeah, it's not a huge focus. 
No. And she became a fan favorite, which was a surprise to the writers and to the development team. They actually didn't expect Tally and Garrus to become fan favorites, probably because they were like, oh, these aliens had like some of the least amount of screen time and yet they became fan favorites. So she hangs out in the engine room, which I don't think helps contribute to the amount of screen time that people will get with her in Mass Effect 1. Mm -hmm. It always makes me feel bad because it's kind of out of the way and it's easily forgotten. Yeah. Like you played Mass Effect 1. How often did you go down there? Yeah. So I went through a process and I feel like I still do this when I play where I just have to go through every room on every floor in order to make sure that I'm like crossing off all the check marks because I want to hear what this person has to say or I want to further this little side quest or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, the engine room. But it always it always felt like, do I really need to go down there? OK. All right. <laughs> Part of the problem was to go down there. You didn't just need to wait through that excruciating elevator ride at the beginning of Mass Effect 1. Not Legendary Edition, by the way. They sped it up. If you've only played Legendary Edition, but you never played the original Mass Effect 1, it that elevator slow. between the decks, oh god, it was worse. Yeah. It was that was the I remember all of this, the jokes about how the elevators aren't really going very far, but it takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> they were at the time though, they were an innovative um disguise for a loading screen. Yes. Yes. So and that's they, clearly they what were it was. Pretty good. But yeah, the joke of like we we can travel <laughs> faster than light, but yet our elevators are <laughs> we don't have good elevator technology. Slower than molasses. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um so most of her dialogue comes in that room. And she tinkers there on the Normandy with Engineer Adams. And she also helps old, uh, like, like pick apart and kind of like reverse engineer and get useful things out of old or abandoned technology, like the probes that we find on the Uncharted Worlds or uh, some of the things that we find on survey missions. Tally's helping with that, like the whole time. And you wouldn't know that if you didn't stop to, to read those little text boxes that come up that Mass Effect 1 was a huge fan of because it helped alleviate some of the budget. They could, they could expand the narrative without really adding a lot in terms of budget right. um but this is so this is the I, part where we start to get a sense of like her engineering background and how she like tinkers with things yes so we hear over and over again that she is an exceptional engineer but it's done off screen in these little text boxes in mass effect one just what she's doing for the normandy mm -hmm. you don't really get to see her doing the action a lot but you hear people talk about how exceptional she is of, uh, as an engineer one of those people is engineer adams so uh, we have a little bite from her conversation with Shepard on the Normandy while she's in the engine room and she's talking about uh, her prowess with uh, ships and ship design. Cutting edge technology. A month ago, I was patching a makeshift fuel line into a converted tug ship in the flotilla. Now, I'm sitting on board one of the most advanced vessels in Citadel space. I have to thank you again for bringing me along. Traveling on a vessel like this is a dream come true for me. I had no idea you found ship technology so interesting. It comes with being a Quarian. The migrant fleet is the key to the survival of my people. Ships are our most valuable resource. But we don't have anything like this. We make do with cast-offs and second-hand equipment. We just try to keep them running for as long as we can. Some of the fleet's larger vessels date all the way back to our original flight from the Geth. I've always liked the like engineering side of Tally as a character. Like it, it also it also shows how intelligent she is because you have to be intelligent yeah. to be able to understand this technology and how it works. And the fact that she came from a place where they were just piecing things together with whatever they could possibly get. And here she is now on this like state of the art ship with all of this other oh, yeah. like candy to play with. This must with. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. must be awesome for her. Like, holy cow. Like, talk <laughs> about a kid in a candy shop, basically. Right. Um, right. How many teenagers do you know that can talk in that much technical detail, even about things that they love? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's rare. It's rare. I mean, it's clear. It clearly shows that she has more experience than we would have assumed about her. Yes. And part of that, I think, is driven by necessity because she needed to become an expert in, in all these different kinds of things, but also because she has these intrinsic qualities that uh, allow her to excel at these things. Um, 
but I also think it's it 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 demonstrates that like here's this here's this kid basically kid like teenager although I guess a legal adult I have no idea how Korean legality works like that but she's <laughs> little more than a kid and she's just left home for the first time where she grew up extremely poor and she's heavily discriminated against everywhere she goes but she's brilliant on yeah. on a ship and all she needed was the right opportunity Right. And like, it's incredibly heartwarming and inspiring. So it's hard not to fall in love with Tally's character like that. Um, but Engineer Adams is not the first person to notice that Tally is amazing on a ship. In fact, we hear it from her very own father, who we learn from Tally in Mass Effect 1 is also an admiral. So we have a little bit from her conversation talking about her father and how that impacts her. I still think a lot about my pilgrimage, though. I know Theron's our top priority, but with all the worlds we go to, I was hoping to find something to bring back to the flotilla. We've still got a long way to go. You'll find something to take back. Yes, but it cannot just be some derelict ship my people can use for salvage. It has to be more than that. There's a lot expected of me. What's so special about you? It's my father. He's the senior member of the Admiralty Board. He's one of only five people who can overrule the decisions of the Conclave for the good of the migrant fleet. My father is responsible for the lives of 17 million people. Our entire race is in his hands, and I'm his only child. So are you some kind of heir to the Quarian throne or something? No, it doesn't work that way. My father's position isn't hereditary. I'll probably never serve on the Admiralty Board myself. Officially, I'm just the same as any other citizen. But it doesn't work that way in practice. People have always treated me differently because of who my father is. I love the other little snippet of information about 17 million people. And yeah. Like, yeah. across a galaxy? <laughs> that's... that's uh, And... Holy... That's a small number. You can... Yeah, you can pair... Well, it's a small number until you consider that they're all aboard ships. Yeah, they're it's a lot of people to pack on ships. Absolutely. Absolutely. But for spacefaring civilizations that have been doing this for a very long time, and many of them are on multiple planets, 17 million people. It's a small amount of people, but, you know, yeah. it, it used to be much larger. And in fact, we can calculate what the total population of the Koreans was before the Geth War, because we know that the Geth exterminated 98% of them. Uh-huh. So right. right, so you can multiply it out. Seventeen percent is just, or seventeen million is just two percent. Right. right, and what what was times fifty? It's been right? a long day. That's times fifty. So it would be times fifty. Yeah, seventeen times fifty. Here, I'm gonna I'm opening a calculator. Seventeen times fifty, uh, eight hundred and fifty. So million. Yeah, eight hundred fifty million. That's still not a huge was number. Their population, but uh, but much bigger, <laughs> much more sustainable. So yeah. So that was that was their population before the Geth War, and now it's just 17 million. Um, that should speak on its own. A lot of people, like Tally, doesn't remember the Geth Korean War, um, but people on the uh, on the migrant fleet, it's still very much a, a a memory for them. And part of part of that is important because Tally's dad is an admiral, so there's these really high expectations for her pilgrimage. And with her being like basically the president's daughter and, you know, now she's going on this trip that everyone goes on and it's a rite of passage. Well, you better bring back something fucking good. Yeah, we talked about the, the pressure on the last episode about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if she doesn't bring back something, she feels like she's failed, not just herself. Again, it's not about herself, but it's about society. It's about the collectivism and she's letting other people down. So she feels like she really failed. And in that same conversation that we just played a bite from, she also describes her dad as a very strict military man through and through. She says, he never allowed me to settle for anything less than excellence. So you were right on the mark last week, Tom, when you said that you feel like he's just being really hard on her because he feels like, you know, she uh, she has the capability, but also he's that kind of dad. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Right. <laughs> so yeah. so that was a, a directly addressed in the comic Mass Effect Homeworld. So if you want to hear more about that, go back and listen last week. But we also learn from this conversation with Tally that her mom died five years ago. 
So I'm not sure how long in Corian memory five years is, but considering that they are comparable to humans, it's not that long ago. And considering that she's barely more than a kid and she's effectively a teenager, if her mom died five years ago, that could have been integral to part of Tally's childhood and, and maturing and growing up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was no matter how you cut it, it was a young thing to happen. It was a thing that happened when she was young, and so definitely would have affected her. Exactly. But the way that she brings it up, it's so it's almost no, so nonchalant that we can extrapolate from that that this kind of thing happens often on the migrant fleet. Her mom died from a respiratory infection. Uh, because there was a virus that was allowed to go through and kind of go through the ship because its air filter was failing. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it was old and the air filter was failing and, and her mom died from it. And she just kind of is very nonchalant about it. But then again, uh, children who have had parents die at very young ages, they also talk about it very nonchalantly because sometimes they're so young they don't remember the pain right or it's a masking of the pain it's a it's a way of not having to express emotion over and over every time it comes up so yeah that can happen that way too she so she goes on to say that i probably had it easier than most people growing up because their father's an admiral uh but it's not all good people like my father have enemies and they're not above using me to get to him which is some strong foreshadowing from Aspect 2's political dynamics on the fleet, but it's also what I was referencing earlier when I said, remember the fact that I said that she's politically very savvy. Right. She's like a teenager, and she knows that she's a pawn for her father's enemies. In fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if her father didn't actually discuss this with her. Like, be aware when you're out there in the universe doing your thing that I'm a target, and so that means you're a target. So... Just watch your back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In probably a conversation that they had. Uh, Tally also acts as this conduit for basically the entire Corian race. She's a representative for her whole race to the player because she's the only Corian that we meet for quite some time. So most of what we learn first about the Corians and their history with the Geth is through her and it's through her dialogue in Mass Effect 1. Yeah. Okay. So talking about the race, um, they're, I mean, they're pretty unique when it comes to sci-fi races and, and the way that they're portrayed, kind of the, the visuals and, and stuff. What do we know about that? Yes. So there is a very great book that I highly recommend if you're a big Mass Effect fan and you've gone through the novels and you're really into the narratives and whatnot. Maybe you haven't heard of this one yet. It's the complete art collection of Mass Effect. And I have it on my coffee table right now. It's just kind of fun it's to flip appropriate through place every to put a coffee table book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. a Mass Effect art. Anyone that comes over to hang out with me knows exactly what like kind of person I am, um, <laughs> which is no one, by the way. I don't, I, I don't actually <laughs> I never have, have any guests ever, but if I yeah, did, I never have any guests. they would know. <laughs> but if maybe the reason I don't have any guests is because I have so much Mass Effect gear up. <laughs> no, I um, it, it's a really great book and it talks a little bit about the inspiration for the Corian's design. So. A lot of people might not know this, but the Geth were designed first from the developers. They were drawn first and then the Corians were. So basically it was they wanted to make them look similar. They wanted the the, the Corians to look similar to the Geth because narratively they knew that the Corians had created the Geth. So they wanted to create them in their own image. The same same way that like people who make like cyborgs and robots, we tend to make them human-ish in their in yes. the design. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was the Geth who were designed first by the developers. So the Corians are kind of a byproduct of the Geth. Uh, and Tally was the only representative of her people that we see for a while in Mass Effect 1. And you you kind of brought it up earlier, this, this purity, this religious kind of image with Tally and her hood. Her design kind of looks like the Virgin Mary mm-hmm. or similar, you know, her headdress looks similar to a hijab. Tally's hood is somewhat unique, even among Koreans, and it almost has this religious tone, which is interesting because the writers, the developers are then combining this religious type of appearance with this nomadic group. Yeah. And that, along with Tally's accent that you commented on earlier, 
and some other Koreans have, makes me wonder if they derived some inspiration for the Korean race from like the Bedouin people of North Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. Well, speaking of North Africa, there's the biblical influence of the Hebrews fleeing Egypt and the Hebrew people, which became the Jews and then the connection to Virgin Mary, all of that tracks and kind of connects together. So and, and yes, the Koreans they, being without a home and traveling the the desert of space effectively order, going on an exodus on an yeah. exodus. Yeah, like all of that absolutely connects. Yeah. And in fact, there is a star system in Mass Effect called the Exodus Cluster, uh, but it's more closely related to humanity because it is uh, the mass relay to Earth's cluster. Um, so it, it goes through and it connects basically Arcturus Station to the local cluster uh, to a bunch of others. But mm -hmm. the Exodus Cluster does exist, but we're making a biblical reference. So, <coughs> yeah, all of that me. stuff, like that's a really cool connection. Like oh, these these types of cultures with that design and then the thing that the stuff that her people are going through, like that feels like a very direct through line that the, the creators probably knew about when they were designing Koreans. Absolutely. I mean, the cluster, if I remember right, um, that the Geth occupy is called the Perseus Vale. Um, so Vale, the hood, it all goes into this kind of um, mystique, this religious nomadic mystique with. And that's also not surprising because the Romani people were well known for, you know, wearing scarves and, and hoods in like the early 1800s. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. They probably derived some inspiration from a number of different sources when it comes to this. Um, but I've also heard from some sci-fi fans on different forums that the Corian's background is pretty close to Battlestar Galactica's survivors of the 12 colonies. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I never watched it, so you never you'll watched have Battlestar? to be the expert on that. Yeah, no. uh, so yeah, everything goes, they create the Cylons, the Cylons fight back, humanity can't use their most advanced technology because the Cylons can use it against them because they're cyborgs. So they have to revert to like simplistic older battleships that have more of like analog systems on it so they can't get hacked. This is exactly like the Koreans. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so, isn't Trisha Helfer in Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, yes, yes, she is. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's all these cool connections. So, yeah, and so the people that survive end up having to uh leave Earth and anywhere else that they were at and travel the galaxy and the entire show is about Battlestar Galactica, some of the last remaining humans, and they keep having to jump because they're getting chased by the Cylons. So they're constantly moving from one place to the next and trying to find a new home. I would wonder what the overlap is between Battlestar Galactica fans and people that just, you know what, exterminated the Geth in Mass Effect 3. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> they were yeah, like, nope, no well, peace. We're nope. talking 2007. Battlestar Galactica would have been like in the in the zeitgeist, right? People would have been watching yeah. it still and talking about it. So yeah, absolutely. You could totally see that that might have been an influence on some of the writers. Yeah. So by Mass Effect 3, Tally has an alternative outfit with more armor on it, some of it covering the mask. And I learned this to, uh, from the Art of Mass Effect book. Uh, that was meant to display her maturation into a leader ready to lead her people on the battlefield, which is fitting because by Mass Effect 3, she's also an admiral. So yeah, and she has some battlefield experience by then, too. So <laughs> she has a considerable amount of battlefield <laughs> right. experience by then. So it's really cool how they incorporated these narrative elements in how that shaped her, the, the appearance of her character throughout the game. If I remember right, her hood, which would resemble hair almost, appears to kind of get shorter throughout the games. If like, I remember right, like I a, might be wrong. Like somebody who gets older and they have a more mature haircut and they cut their hair shorter, which yes. is pretty typical. Yeah. yeah. Um, since Bioware actually sold figurines of Tally, we do know that she's canonically five foot eight inches tall. Okay. For our That's European listeners, yeah. <laughs> for our metric uh, users, I do not know what that is in terms of centimeters. <laughs> in meters, I want to say it's like one. Uh, is it like one seventy something? Foot eight in metric. We're just gonna. Uh, it's one point seven two meters. Oh, I was so right. One seventy two centimeters. Yeah. All also, right, nice. also, uh, American women, on average, if I recall, on average, are five foot six. So she's slightly taller than the average American woman today. 
little known fact about Tally too. Tally Zora was not the original name they were planning to give her. I found this part on accident while I was researching this episode. Uh, here's something from a very old Bioware forum post where writer Lucas Christiansen says that her name was going to be drum roll, please. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> it was going to be Talsi Ora. And Ora Ora. was going to be the more familiar name that we called her. So her name was going to be Talsi Ora, and I've highlighted here where I'm reading this from. Yeah, you can see it on screen right now if if it's large enough for you to see. It's kind of hard to zoom in on the the way I've got it set up currently. But you can see see Talsi Ora in that highlighted section. Yeah. And and apparently it wasn't chosen because Talsi Ora flows oddly, and it feels like there is a stop mid- sentence right tally zora feels more fluid at least to english speakers i would assume yeah 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 so there's a little known fact that i learned while i was researching this and uh didn't ever know about tally before yeah so uh, so going back to like mass effect one some some squad mates had loyalty missions in mass effect one right yeah, they were kind of loyalty mission esque. You know, they made a bigger deal of them of calling them loyalty missions in Mass Effect Two. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were these like kind of hidden under the radar missions in Mass Effect One, where you could secure characters' loyalty through doing missions that were important to them that you really only found out about through talking to them. Like for example, Rex had his family armor mission. Garrus had this doctor that was harvesting organs from people, and you could go track him down. But Tally's is a little bit more of a secret because it's very easy to miss. It's not like, you know, it's coded in the game files where you can't see it. It's just it's very easy to gloss over. Right. Especially if you're not going down and visiting the uh, engine room. (laughs) Probably. So (laughs) so there is this mission. There's a mission that leads to it, and it's called UNC Geth Incursion. It's one of those hack it over the intercom like, Shepard, I need your help. (laughs) (laughs) Shepard, I got another thing. I know you're busy, but I got another thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, Shep- Hackett adds to Shepard's honeydew list, and, and <laughs> Shepard, and I guess if you're just sick of Hackett at that point, you can just ignore it, but then you'll never really get to Tally's loyalty mission. Uh, and it's the one where, and this is a very long side mission, too, on top of that. The UNC Geth Incursions takes you to, like, five different planets. It's a series of different planets where there are all Geth outposts on them, and they're in uncharted worlds, and you need to go and search them out and then clear them out. She doesn't give you this mission. Like I said, Hackett does. And you only get this quest at the very end. You only get Tally's loyalty quest at the very end of Geth Incursions. So on the final planet, you beat the UNC mission after you wipe out the Geth inside this building. But Tally's mission is only possible if you stay and you poke around a little bit. You go into a terminal where you can recover a data uh, data from the terminal, and it turns out to be evidence of how the Geth have evolved since splitting off from the Corians. Oh, that's cool. So we have so a this clip is here, like, right? Oh, go, go ahead. Yes, it's. I, I was just going to say. So this is like a, you know, as the current president would say, a BFD, uh, <laughs> a big freaking deal, um, because it's it's it's. It's like finding a missing link in evolution for an AI that's still evolving yeah. in real time. Yeah, that's a cool concept. Um, so here, check out yeah. this clip. We got a clip about this. You know the data you took from those Geth control nodes? The information you uploaded to Alliance Control? I want a copy of it. You want to bring this data back to the migrant fleet? Those files have information that could be vital to our efforts to understand the Geth. It could be the key to helping us reclaim our homeworld. If I give you this data, your pilgrimage is over. You'll go back to your own people. Not right away. I'll stay with you as long as it takes to stop Seren. But my people need this. You think you can use this information to destroy your enemy? Not right away. We will need to study it. It could take years, but it will give us new insight into how the Geth have changed and evolved over the past centuries. Go ahead. Make a copy. My people, I owe you a great debt. One I can never repay. 
This is cool. I wonder how many people have missed this in their playthrough. Right? Yeah. Like, I've missed it on, you know, I've done like 10 to 15 playthroughs of my, myself, and the majority of them, I don't think I've done that mission. Yeah. Uh, or at least, I don't think I've turned it into Tally. I think I've done most of the side missions, but I think maybe I missed the terminal or maybe I just don't do I don't know. Yeah, it feels very buried. Um, like you could just you could do a lot of it and then just miss one little thing and then not get there, you know? Right. So I find it really interesting. Right at the end here, he says, so you think you can use this information to destroy your enemy? And she says, not right away. <laughs> Which is a tell. That's a telling, you know, that's very reflective of her disposition toward the Geth in Mass Effect 1. Of course, this changes over the course of the series, but in terms of how Tally truly feels about the Geth in Mass Effect 1, I think that is one of the most telling comments that she can make. Not right away. So, if you were to ask Tally in Mass Effect 1 if she sided with, if she would if she would side with the Warhawks in her own people who want to wage war against the Geth and retake their home planet, she would say yes. Yeah, yeah. But character arcs, so. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you can give her the copy of the data in that clip, you know, Shepard chooses to, but, you know, or not, you don't have to. If you do, it's critical for her pilgrimage, and she actually brings it up in Mass Effect 2. But if not, I actually don't know how she finishes the pilgrimage because she mentions this in Mass Effect 2 where you run into her on Freedom's Progress and if you gave her that data she'll mention it and she'll mention that it was important for her pilgrimage. So I don't know what she brings back after the end of Mass Effect 1 if you didn't give her that data. Like canonically I don't think it's mentioned at all but you know maybe if we're just going to be uh, making shit up, then <laughs> maybe she just brings back secrets on the Normandy's top of the line design. You know what I mean, and shares that with the uh, Oof. with the fleet. Yeah, she maybe could. she could. She could. It would be she useful. She probably has access to some blueprints, right? Yeah, yeah. That seems like really useful information. Um, that's interesting. There's kind of a hole there. Yeah, a little bit, but little it's. Bit. I guess it's not. It's like eh, whatever. She saved the galaxy, so I think that's that counts <laughs> enough for that, her pilgrimage. Check, pilgrimage yeah. completed. Check. Yes. Yeah. Check the box. So, and that brings us, you know, to the topic of home for Tally because she is going home back from her pilgrimage after Mass Effect One. It's something that we're going to be discussing throughout the next few episodes. This topic of home for her, but for now, keep in mind that Tally is a character who doesn't necessarily have a real home. She grew up on the migrant fleet, but she was told for years by her father that Rannoch is their true home, and we'll build a home there for ourselves one day. So in, there is some easily missed side dialogue in Mass Effect 1 on Novaria, and you have to take Tally when you first land. Because there's these security guards who stop Shepard, and at one point, Captain Matsuo says that, uh, Shepard, you're far from home. You know, like, don't don't try and start a fight here. You're far from home. Yeah. And Tally responds, home is a state of mind. Yeah, more insight into her character. Yeah, which in the moment, if you were in that moment, you might just be like, yeah, yeah, Tally, but you <laughs> don't really think about it too deeply. But for Tally, this line of dialogue is so uh, poignant. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, it's, it's like a conclusion she's come to from everything she's gone through so far you know yes yes yeah. exactly yeah so well so that's gonna um, that's gonna wrap it up for mass effect pre mass effect and then mass effect one tally yeah pretty much and then we get a lot of development from her character in mass effect two and three so we still have a lot to talk about yeah awesome well this has been really cool diving into this character i know she's a fan favorite and uh getting a little bit more of a glimpse here uh so so uh, I've been enjoying it. I hope all of you have been enjoying it as well. Thank you for joining us, chat and everybody else. Sam, you have anything you want to share before we head out? Yeah, of course. I am playing uh, Mass Effect randomized and it's absolute chaos. You've it's, stopped by. On a oh, couple God. Of <laughs> dear, dear Lord. Oh, man. It's uh, like taking the subtitles from a separate show and putting them on a completely different genre and then like actually no you know what it's like taking every it's taking one scene from every different show and mashing them up together mm -hmm. and just making like a, a, a like a program that way my favorite part is how Nothing horrifying all of the characters look especially when they talk 
and like oh their faces like go into other parts of their face and like yeah it's like gary's mod um oh god did you ever did you see the way that morden looks because i have a setting on oh, i don't know if i did yeah I have a setting on that it changes the characters' heads, so the squad mates' heads all got shuffled around on different bodies. So, uh-huh. like, for example, Samara's head is on Jacob. But, <laughs> oh, man, that's great. But Jacob's head is on Morden. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> and that's it great. stretches Jacob's neck to fit the, oh, the no. length it, like, of anamorphs, head. It, like, anamorphs yes. his head? Oh, no. Jacob is an anamorph oh, God. for Morden, and it's terrifying. I hate it every time I see it. <laughs> It's amazing, but it does. It still has Morden's voice. It still has Morden's voice. That's yeah. so good. Oh, and also Jacob's head is also on Kasumi. Oh, it's, so it's there's two an places. Ongoing, <laughs> there's an ongoing joke that it's oops all Jacob, <laughs> oops, all Jacob. In, in my randomized playthrough. Somebody, somebody should. Uh, it would be really cool if you had like uh, ways of tweaking it, and you could just make like all just all Jacob. Like Jacob's on heads on everybody. It's just oh, you know what's Jacob hilarious? Everybody. You know, Garrus gets blown up in the beginning of Mass Effect. Too, right he gets the missile to the face when we first met Garrus in the Archangel mission he was normal and I was like oh shit maybe you know maybe it's just gonna leave Garrus alone because it's like don't touch a fan favorite like that that's not true <laughs> <laughs> because Garrus gets blown up with the missile and then when you see him on the ship and they're like the surgery was a success right he, he, he normally has corner. just like scars and stuff like you see the side of his face is a little messed up right <laughs> not in my playthrough <laughs> he walks around the corner and it's actually the elusive man's head oh god on Garrus <laughs> but it's like it's hyper stretched in the shape of like oh, no. a, like a Turian's head so it looks horrendous oh. Anyway, if that's we, your cup of tea. You, the elusive man helped put Garrus back together also, but left a little signature. Uh, there were some strings attached. Face. Oh, my God. <laughs> there were some strings attached. Oh. So so if that's your thing, um, go follow me on Twitch at In7TheLegend. <laughs> I'll be streaming uh, on Saturdays, Mass Effect Randomized. Uh, other than that, I got a few other games I'm working through, like... Uh, have you ever played Sleeping Dogs? Uh, a friend of mine just oh, yeah, gave yeah, that yeah. to me. The, uh, like Never in Hong Kong, it. right? It's like open world Hong Kong yeah. game. Yeah, it's like, what I don't know, a decade old now. It's, it's getting yeah. up there, I'm sure. So I never played, but a friend of mine just gave that to me. So I'm going to play some of that this weekend. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Cool. Yeah, I've, di- I've been diving into Baldur's Gate 3. It is officially releasing in just a few weeks, but you can still play like the early stuff that's been out. And it is so good. Like, so good super dense with like things to find and options for dialogue and ways that like things inter- interact with your character and the type of race and the, all sorts of stuff. It's it's really, really good. So I streamed that a few times this week um, and I, I'm planning to play a little bit more of it. My wife's out of town, so maybe I'll be streaming this weekend because I'll just be like, I don't know, I'll just stream games. Nobody's like my son's here, but you know, my wife's not here. So it's not like we're, you know, there's actually a uh, Baldur's Gate reference in Tally's lore. So uh, the Baldur's Gate reference is that the, the drone that she has, it's mm-hmm. Chatika uh, Von Paz. Okay, interesting. That's the name of the drone that she has, which is, of course, supposed to be Chatika Fast Paws in the raccoon companion. Uh, uh, ra- I never played Baldur's Gate, but I guess it's like a raccoon in Baldur's Gate. Yeah, too. I'm, I'm not super familiar with it because I, I, I like it's that's one of those lore things that I've learned about, but I didn't actually play through the games, you know, so um so yeah so but Baldur's Gate 3 is pretty great so if you want to check out a stream with that join me the robots radio uh, twitch channel I'm also streaming on kick I'm just co-streaming because twitch is a mess and inundates everybody with ads all the time so you can follow me over there too if you want Uh, but that's what I got going on of course all these other podcasts that I do so check everything out at robotsradio.net all right Sam chat everybody else thank you for being here We'll see you. Oh, we, we may not see you next week. I'm going to be out of town on oh, you Friday are. of next week. Uh, and actually, I will be out of town from the 20th to the 29th. So I'm actually going to be out of town for two weeks. So uh, Sam and I are going to chat. We're going to figure out what's what the plan is for the next few weeks. But we'll let you guys know. And uh, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. 
Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save 